Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Dr. Pat Fagan. Welcome. And we're going to be talking today about fatherhood, and this is going to be a two-part episode. So this is the first part, and then we'll we'll film a second part after this. And so the first one, I'd like to talk about basically the positive, like why kids need dads, like what the positive aspects of fatherhood are. And then in our second episode, we can move into how fatherhood's under attack, because I feel like we can't really discuss why it's under attack and what the dangers of that are if we don't understand why it's important in the first place and why kids really need their dads around. So thank you so much for joining us today. And before we like get started on the fatherhood thing, can you just talk, give a little bit of bio of guests to our listeners of like why, like how you started looking into fatherhood and what your background is? Well, actually I've ended up with fatherhood. Um, Grew up in Ireland, grade school teacher, then went back to college to become a psychologist, clinical. Then in Ireland, clinical was a new, relatively new profession, so I went abroad to get more training and experience. Canada first, then down to Washington to do a doctorate, and then stayed here. I met my wife and gradually shifted um, fields from clinical, where I dealt essentially with children, family, and marriage. Okay. Normally triggered by kids, though I did work a lot also with adults. But if a kid was referred, that led to the whole family, and that led to the marriage. Um, In any case, while I was here doing the doctorate, I had worked clinically for about five years before starting the doctorate. Um, I realized government was uh, undermining government programs, sex ed and school sex clinics and all the rest are really undermining sexuality within the school, the traditional uh, moral norms. And I saw that as highly dysfunctional. I said, wait, no, I'm in the craziness business if you're a clinical psychologist. And this is the biggest craziness out there. So I gradually switched. It wasn't overnight, but it was over about two years. Switched into public policy. Okay. And then uh, learned how to do that. But it was all on marriage, family, religion, and of course, sexuality is right at the core of it. If you take care of family and you take care of religion, a society, I'm not mm-hmm. saying legislators, most of your social problems disappear. Not okay. all. Yeah. Most. Yeah. Interesting. Oh yeah. <laughs> most of our most of our problems across the West are caused by the breakdown of marriage mm-hmm. and the gradual, you know, going away from religious worship. And the data shows this overwhelmingly. It's so strong. Mm -hmm. It's a real crime that social scientists, academic social scientists, don't make this available to kids in college. It makes sense that if kids are growing up in a stable unit, then they're going to be able to be like stable citizens. And then if you have like a father needs to be able to provide, so he needs to be working, so there needs to be some kind of economy. And like it makes sense that if if you – have a strong family, you're going to have a strong culture surrounding that and a strong society. And you need worship for that. Okay, yeah. yeah but without the worship, things get a lot worse. Yeah. Relatively quickly. Yeah. And that ought to be a major concern because worship is decreasing. Uh, we were the most worshiping uh, modern society in the Western world. Mm-hmm. And we probably still are. But it's 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 dropping steadily. Is that only Christian worship, or just no religious? No, interesting. no, it's across the board. It's uh, you know we have many religions in this country: um, Catholics, Protestants, Jews, 
but then you have Muslim. And actually, when you look at a number of things, for instance, fertility mm -hmm. across the globe, uh, the single biggest contributor to high for higher fertility is weekly worship by women. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Actually, women who worship weekly across the globe, regardless of culture and religion, 3.2 children. It used to be 3.6, about 10 years ago, it's now 3.2. Mm -hmm. Women who don't worship at all, 1.2. Wow. There's a, there's a huge difference. Like they're going out of existence and these are growing and replenishing. Interesting. That's a really fascinating. I've never thought about the connection between worship directly on someone like and their fertility. Like it makes sense in the general idea of like. Well, let me give you the first one that I, I came across when I was doing a, a dissertation. Okay. Uh, and you in sociology while I was at, at Heritage and using the Ad Health Survey, which is one of our biggest and all the rest. And I was doing it on these topics of intact married family, all the different family structures and frequency of religious worship and looking at their influence on all sorts of things. The kids who do best in high school, mm -hmm. combined scores, if you take math and English as a as good representative, combine those scores, kids who worship weekly are the ones who are doing best in the country. And it goes like this, weekly worship, Couple of times a month, couple of times a year, never. Straight linear down. It's it's a dose, um, wow. dose effect. Interesting. And so it goes on on every single measure measured in the U.S. federal data system. Mm -hmm. Adults, kids, and families, those who worship weekly, do best as a group on everything measured. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's blooming phenomenal yeah. that's off the charts okay so now i have a question this is actually a great segue into fatherhood because i heard of a study one time that was showing that kids whose fathers go to church are more likely to stay in a religion do you know if that's true or not very true and then so uh, across the globe it's the pra women tend to be the ones who do religion more are more religious mm -hmm. uh, uh, you go to church you catholics uh, it's true in every religion mm -hmm. um but the men are the ones who have the real transmission power. When a father worships, his kids will tend to worship. Mother, not at all to the same degree. Why is that? Why is it that the father would have that kind of transmission power? Well, here we're, we'll go outside of social science for this. Okay. Um, I think there's a big existential thing there. And ultimately, I think, you know, you'll... You get into the social science, you get into the hypothesis, then you get into the philosophy, and then ultimately what you're dealing with here is a religious question. Mm -hmm. Well, if you want to go to the core of religion, mm -hmm. everything leads back to God the Father. Everything. Yeah. So God the Son leads you back to God the Father all the time. Our Lady leads you to God the Son who leads you to God the Father. Yeah. Or, yeah and, and, you know. and just keep going from there. Yeah. Yeah. So fatherhood, you see the... The human nature is created. Human beings are God's children. He's created. He created us, you know, uh, because he wants a huge family. That's for certain. Uh, some of us please him. Some of us don't. But, you know, he's got to have him, and he's got to give him free will. So yeah. he's, he's going to have that fallout. But it is all about having family and being relational. And all of it leads back to him because that's where it all started. Mm -hmm. And in the end, actually, if you think about it, before time began and the, after 
the world collapses and all the universes or whatever, they all become black holes or whatever. It's, uh, <laughs> whether it it's yeah. whether the end is tomorrow or a million or 10 million years from now, regardless. Ultimately, at the end, from Adam through the Old Testament, you know, Abraham and all the rest, David, up to our Lord, from our Lord through the church and on into thing, and then eventually there's going to be an end and it's mm -hmm. all over. Why did God do all that? For us. To have a large family with him mm -hmm. in heaven forever. Yeah. For himself with us. He did it for himself. Mm -hmm. He did it for us. That's his great love. But he's the one who did it. Yeah. And anything he does is always to his own good. It, it can't but be otherwise. But he also didn't need us, but he still did it for, yeah. Well, I'd forget about he didn't need us. That's a that's a theoretical thing. We're here. We're yeah. his. He doesn't want it any other way, and he wants us. Yeah. He wants us. I don't care whether he needs us. He wants us. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay? kind of more the distinction I was no, going I, for there. I agree with the <laughs> yeah. theology, but it's an abstract needles on a, uh, angels on a, you know, the point of a needle sort of thing. Uh, so if we're going to go off of God the Father then, so why do... And like on a human level, why do kids need their dads? Well, like first of all, is... they need them to come into existence. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, no, and but... that's huge. Okay. That's huge. That's the beginning of it all. And one of the massive violations of human rights in this country, and like women forget that. Yeah, I think it's easy to take for granted. I take it for granted. God help you if you take the mother being necessary for the kid for granted. That's true. You will be rightfully drummed out of, you know. Whatever. Yeah. But the same is true for the father. Yeah. Now his, you know, his contribution, people say, well, his contribution is much. Yeah, it's, it's one ten thousandth the size. This, the one sperm is one ten thousandth the size of the egg. Mm -hmm. Ten thousand times bigger. That's huge. But it massively transforms everything and begins life. And actually then what is also very clear from all the data, you look at all the family structure data and the outcomes, in order to become the adult, the child, the boy or the girl mm -hmm. is meant to be, they have the potential. In mm -hmm. order for that to happen, they need the marriage of their mother and father. Actually, they need the love between their mother and father more than they need the love directed at them. Interesting. Can you expand on that a little bit? Please? Yeah, it was it was one of the first big insights I got during before I came to the doctor while I was in Canada. Half my practice was with severe psychiatric patients and that was really doing tests and getting the diagnosis. But where my interest lay was on the other side. Mm -hmm. And that started with children. And typically, I'd get referrals from pediatricians and family practitioners. And the typical referral was, Pat, would you have a look at this kid? This is a mid-child from four to, we say, eight or nine. Have a look at this kid. Um, I don't think there's anything. There's nothing medically wrong with him. I think it's psychological. Well, by the third year, cutting to the quick, I wouldn't see the kid. I could see the whole family. And, once, and if I had a three-year-old, then I could very quickly, or much more quickly, figure out what was going on in the family because three-year-olds say everything. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Four-year-olds have learned to keep their mouth shut, but three-year-olds say it all. No filter um, at all. And then I would peel the parents off because I'd see where the conflicts were. Yeah. Take care of that. And in 28 out of 30 cases, the 30 cases from the time I started doing this, 
I never had to do a thing with 28 kids. The symptoms disappear once the order and the uh, amity between mom and dad is established. Wow. Like, I guess, like, I know in theory that the relationship between the parents is important, but it's interesting to think that it's that fundamental. Like, the parents, like, their love for each other is so important because you would just, like, naturally assume that it, the amount of love that a child is getting from a parent is going to be more influential on their life. But that's really fascinating that it's the love between the mother and the father that leads to that. And it makes sense. With, within the family, once it's there, that yeah. is by far the strongest thing. The way I would sum up the research for married couples is, look, you can benignly neglect your kids if you take phenomenal care of each other. So if the father is constantly wooing his wife mm -hmm. and the wife is constantly wooing the father, the way they did before they were married, yeah. Now, not doing exactly the same thing because they're not married, but putting thought and all the rest. Like I would think a, a, a good norm for even those who have large families and lots of kids is a date once a week. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean going out because if you've got lots of kids, mm -hmm. you may not have the money to yeah. go out. But you can still have a date and the kids can get to know. Like Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, mom and dad's date time starts. And they put thought into it. A mother puts two candles or one candle on the table. She gets dressed, you know, and, and made up and all the rest of it the way yeah. she would have done when she was hoping to win this fine young man as her husband. Not and, taking him for granted, in a sense. like Oh, the putting, very opposite. Yeah, the, like, the very opposite. In. That's wooing her husband. Interesting. I guess I it think, would be like, I don't know, I have the image in my mind right now of like a, overflowing teacup like if you're they're both pouring into their relationship it's going to overflow for the kids like the kids are going to benefit from it and it's actually going to... they, they see it they sense it yeah they, they absorb it it's, it's like it's have, almost like osmosis does it help them have i guess better relationships later on too if they've seen oh, what a healthy relationship looks like is that like you can't uh, the biggest education the biggest longest premarital course is what happens what the kids experience of their parents marriage that is the most powerful pre-cana there is that makes sense for good or for ill yeah like if yeah. there's if there are things in the marriage the parents are not taken care of that's going to damage the kids and likely damage their marriage mm -hmm. and even their grandkids marriage how do you get out of that thought prayer friends therapy you know there are all sorts of ways to get out of that Mm -hmm. To break like, those cycle once you once you realize it, yeah, but you have to recognize it first. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, you you or your spouse will recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So going back to the fatherhood thing, then how does you like obviously fathers are important oh, for yeah. the existence yeah. of the child. How do they help the child like growing up developmentally? Are there any like? Oh look. I mean, I know that like that's like a really broad topic. So like, are there anything specific that stands out to you of like? why young children need a father present. Like, I guess I've heard, I know of men who have said that they thought that being a good dad is just being a good provider. Like you go to work and you bring the money home. So it seems like the father's actual presence in the home is also going to be important for the kids that it's not just working Actually, the all father, the time. The father who home. sees his job as just being a provider has it all wrong. Okay. Can you go into it's that a little bit It's good that he's a provider. How you address that? But his that? conception of family and of marriage is wrong. Okay. And dysfunctional and is going to hurt his kids. Now, that's putting a lot on the line. Yeah. Because he's actually staying distant from his kids. And what the kids need is the very opposite. Okay. They need a dad 
actually, here's, if you want a shortcut, the shortcut for being a good father is plenty, spending plenty of time playing with your kids okay. from the beginning. Can you expand on that? I'm curious, like what, like. Well, because the dad is the big vehicle for the kids getting confidence in themselves. Look, you, you think of this in your own, mm -hmm. for a child to see the delight in their father's eyes when the father comes to them. That's the single biggest gift a dad can give. You know, it's just, he comes alive. You know, my son, my little son, my daughter, and they run to him. Yeah. Kids who run to their father run to him because they see that in his eyes. It's the same between husband and wife. Mm -hmm. You know, and the kids, this is what the kids will see. When dad comes home, does mom's eyes all light up? Mm-hmm. If they don't, there's something wrong in the marriage yeah. or there's something dying in the marriage or there's something stale in the marriage they need. Well, why is dad necessary for the kids? When they know dad delights in them, and the only way they know that is is that he gives them time and plays yeah. with them and all the rest. If he keeps distant, mm -hmm. they're doubtful. Does my dad love me? Yeah. You know, that'd be a very natural question. You know, he, yeah, people say he does, but I don't. I don't believe it deep down. Whereas the kid whose dad plays with him all the time and tumbles and all the rest. There's yeah. all sorts of variants on the play, but that's the big thing. Dad gives them confidence that they themselves are lovable human beings. Why is that different than mothers? Like, why is fatherhood specific there? Because I feel like a mother also is going to make a child. And no, I'm not trying to downplay motherhood. I'm just trying to figure out, is it, it seems like it would be different than just parental love in general. So what, makes fatherhood in that case different than maternal love? Well, first of all, he's a man. He's totally different. Okay. And yeah. they're likely going to marry, be they boy or girl, they're going to be mm -hmm. married in the opposite. So the experience of dad is massive in shaping their conception of what it means to be a man with a woman or a woman with a man. That's okay. molded by dad. Yeah. And the marriage relationship is the foundation relationship of every society. Mm -hmm. That's why we're in deep trouble. That's mm -hmm. why the West is in trouble. Um, the whole purpose of marriage and children are, are integral. You can't disconnect them. Once you disconnect them, and that's what contraception began to do. Yeah, we've had everything. You know, the sex begins to go wrong. Loads and loads. But let's come back and leave that contraception topic to the side. The child exists because of mom and dad. Mm -hmm. the child thrives when mom and dad's love thrive. I told you that anecdote, yeah. clinical. Well, that plays out in all sorts of ways. Dad, without dad, now the single mother can do lots of things, but she can't give what only dad can give. Okay. And they don't get the triangle here. The, like if you have a single mom, you don't get the triangle you're saying? No, what? you can't because dad yeah, isn't there. there. Okay. And, yeah. and she, no, actually the, the love and the, the functionality of the, of the single mother family holds quite strong actually because single mothers tend to be very devoted to their kids. Mm -hmm. And that works fine up to about eight, nine, 10, somewhere there. And then it begins mm -hmm. to be, get difficult for them because the kids are getting towards the teens. And this is where, you know, the male, female, difference and aspects mm -hmm. of the pre-puberty and then the puberty. Um, it's a totally different game. And the single mother can't pull off, but a married couple can. And yeah. the kids, you know, by and large, uh, are damaged by it, are weakened by it. Damage is the wrong word, weakened. 
mm-hmm. don't develop capacities that they could and would yeah. if they had to devote a dad there. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question. So, like, I have studied a little bit of, like, the Montessori theory of how basically, like, what happens to a child between, like, zero and six, mm-hmm. a lot of those problems can kind of go under the radar. Like, they don't really come to the surface until they're a teenager. That's right. So you were saying that it's really, really important to have the father around. Like, the single mother can't do it alone once they're teens. Does that mean that, like, the father's presence is also super critical when the child's, like, zero to six, like, yes, in order yes. to develop yeah. that? It's critical all the way along. Like. The zero to six are the foundational years. Mm-hmm. Like that's when, that's also is the easiest time for dad to bond with his kids, to play with the kids, to get close to the kids. If he leaves later, he can't pull it off. Interesting. And won't pull it off. He's yeah. got the habit of not being close. Mm-hmm. And they develop the habit of a distant dad. Yeah. So it's hard to go on, on everything in growth across all forms of all parts of creation, animal growth, plant growth, all the rest, the earliest, the earliest times are the most critical. They mm-hmm. set the rest in, in motion. So how you set it in motion is huge. Like one of the greatest discoveries in my book in the social sciences happened in Taiwan in 2017. Okay. That's where in... Um, a teaching hospital, a maternity teaching hospital in northern Taiwan, they ex- experiment, and what came out of it was uh, fathers who held their newborn babies skin to skin for 15 minutes for three days. That was mm-hmm. the experiment. And compare them to the normal dads who didn't, because that's an unusual thing. Mm-hmm. The bonding between the father and the child, three months, six months, and a year later between the two is just huge. Huge difference. Very, the easiest of things to do. Yeah. Massive effect. The great news is actually, and uh, there's been follow-up, the brain changes in both and they change at much the same, the baby's brain is changing almost in response to dads. The hormones between the two of them change mm-hmm. massively. Now, if you add the mother now watching this taking place, yeah, she is absolutely delighted yeah. to see her husband the father of the child, take their child to himself. And and what's happening in her brain and her hormones, there's a whole, th- <laughs> it's like a little trinity on earth. There's a whole cascading going on whole, around so there. So the father, and then when you get to the teen years, the post-puberty, uh, dad is the one who inducts his son into manhood. Now he'll have laid the basis through mm-hmm. the thing, but Like, he's the one who can talk to his boy. Like, nobody else on earth can talk and say, look, son, you're going to pre-puberty. He gets him ready for Mm -hmm. the changes that are going to take place, the pleasure. He's going to wake up one night, strange new pleasure for wet dreams. Mm -hmm. Girls go through menarche, and that's a real rite of passage. And every every girl knows when she becomes an adult woman. Mm -hmm. Boys, it's subtler. But with dad... The dad can induct his boy and prepare him for that. And then imagine this for the whole, uh, the struggles, the the hard work a boy has to do to become a competent man. He's got a couple of areas he's got to take care of. And he's got to start in his teen years because that's when you start becoming responsible for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if dad is tutoring you and inducting you in, not pushing you, is you push, the boy's going to push back. He's coming into his independence. If you don't respect his independence, <laughs> forget it. He ain't going to listen. So it, it takes, that's where the love of the dad and the boy's confidence in his dad, that's all laid down pre-puberty. 
Yeah. You know, starts way back. If, if dad and the boy are close, the boy is going to listen to his dad because he loves him and he has confidence in him and he knows his dad is out for his good. Yeah. So, um, particularly the whole struggle to be pure and to put the ideal of purity of heart. Look, son, I want you to marry the most beautiful, drop-dead, gorgeous, virtuous woman you can find. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Now, if you ever see her, will you be able to woo her? Would she be interested in you? If she's that great, are you going to be great enough to attract a great woman? Like a great woman's not going to be attracted by a wimp, you know, <laughs> yeah, or, or whatever, you know, yeah. you substitute all sorts of faults. So the dad who sort of puts the ideal and then talks to his son about his own, how does he handle his sexuality? How does he stay faithful to the boy's mother yeah. when he's away on trips? Yeah. You know, and there's porn, whatever. How, how does he struggle in all these things? So there, that the dad is essentially leading his boy into manhood, mm -hmm. early manhood, um, the necessity of prayer, you know, uh, how to treat girls, how to grow in that. But a lot of it is how you master yourself interiorly, mm -hmm. how you study, um, because the study is the preparation of work. And that great girl ain't going to marry a guy who can't support her and her kids. Yeah. It's amazing. Women don't, guys don't realize this. I overheard is one of these things where there was a whole chat going on. These were girls in their young 20s when I was at graduate school. Myself and a bunch of guys, we were out walking uh, with girls. But the girls got into a group and dropped behind, and we were in a group up ahead. My sneakers became untied, so I, t I was tying them, and the girls' group came up. And when I realized these all wonderful young women were assessing the income potential of me and my buddies up in front. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm sure that was a conversation that women often have, but never let men know. It's like one of these secret conversations women have. Um, so actually to tell this to your son, look, women assess you. And that's true across the whole animal kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Where you have male and female, birds, it doesn't matter, cows, whatever. The ones that are interested are the guys who can, uh, that's not the only thing for a girl, but it, it is a significant thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to marry him, will he, can he take, care of, take care of me and the children, particularly when we're very vulnerable? Yeah. And a lot of those other things, that's how a woman will assess a great guy. Yeah. Now, you can see the role of dad there. Mm -hmm. Now, take the boy who doesn't have a close dad. What happens to him? How is his sexuality formed today? God help him. With the internet, with porn, just those two, two things for a start. And they're going to hit a point where they don't want to, like their mom to be telling them no, what, yeah, yeah, how yeah. to do that. Like even if a mother's like, don't get into that, then they're still not learning it from a man. Like they're more going to be more likely to listen to some man on the internet yeah. talking and, about women than. Yeah. Like uh, today, just given the state of the world, um, Dads are needed even more. Mm -hmm. And as a result, actually, one of the things that came out, my consideration of these things, and it, it occurred to me decades ago when I was assessing uh, the impact of uh, different UN treaties that we, uh, we, we have taken and lots of the world have taken on, on essentially marriage and family stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a few things I didn't like but every single one of them would have been cured if a particular right was in there. And that's the right of every child to the marriage of his biological parents. Mm. I think that is 
well, I don't want to start weighing one against the other, but I rank it right up there with the right to life. Interesting. And as a matter of fact, if we teach that to our teenagers, they begin to see, and we not only just make uh, yeah. delve into it, why is this? And it's an inalienable right. It just comes like the, the baby, the fetus, didn't ask to come into existence. It was you, dad, and you, ma'am, brought me into existence. Mm -hmm. Now you owe me your marriage because without it, I can't become the adult I'm meant to be. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a whole other podcast episode right there because I'd love oh, to delve I'd, into I'd, that Well, more. I'd love to delve into that yeah, and, and get that. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that's there's so much to unpack there. And there is. There's yeah, a huge amount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but without dad and without the marriage, uh, they won't become. And that's what happened all around. We can see the, we have a crisis of all sorts. Of, and the male and female are dropping behind because uh, you get this huge disparity between males and females increasingly in mm -hmm. high school, college, all the rest. And none of the experts, I have not heard one point this out. The girls, by and large, stay with their mother when the family breaks up. Mm -hmm. and she's a pretty strong woman to take care of the kids, go out to work, and that's it. She's got a full life. The girls are getting modeling of a strong woman. Dad is absent yeah. for a huge amount. Okay? He has no model. Yeah. And what's more, you know, what we'll get into in the second podcast, but in any case, it's the difference. That's making the huge difference. The absence of dad at home is mm -hmm. causing this, male, female, and there's a lot of other things pushing it, mm -hmm. but they're all pushing the same direction, causes this massive disparity between males and females now. Yeah, and what you look to as like if a girl is looking at a single mom being like, that's what it takes to be a good woman, that's like what it, to be a strong woman and you just assume that men aren't going to be in the that, picture, that's that, going to mess with that how That woman views cannot deliver for her sons. No. What a marri her marriage to a good man would deliver i don't even think she can deliver for her daughters what having exactly like, speaking as the daughter like and having seen like friends and all that like seeing girls who go through like puberty and like deal with like anxiety or depression or whatever girls who had strong father figures were able to work through that a lot easier than girls who didn't have a father or didn't have a good strong father figure in their life i think that they get hit harder with that. Just like being able to feel like you're worth being loved for who oh, you yeah, are sure, and like sure. all the insecurities that come with middle school, high school. If you have a good relationship with your father, you're able to kind of stand your ground better going through oh, that yeah, than yeah. girls who don't have that. So even like, obviously they're important. I mean, they're important for both children, but like obviously they're important for helping their sons reach masculinity. Yeah, I mean, I've been emphasizing the masculine side, yeah. but there's the distaff side is there. I can just speak to the daughter's side better. Yeah, but, but you, you, it, you know, the daughter who sees the that she's the apple of her father's eye, mm -hmm. that he delights in Daddy's her presence. Girl. Yeah, but that's that's the that's the obvious ideal of every girl. Yeah. That I be daddy's girl. And it sets her up for what kind of what she's looking for in relationships with men. Yeah. And what she's gonna expect from not like she's expecting her husband to be a father to her, but that that's what sets her up for like what makes a good man and what makes a good I can show you the data, that. by the way. The closer a girl is to her father the less likely she is to get involved sexually with boys. That makes sense. And when father is absent or distant, as she hits, you know, puberty, post-puberty, and now she's a young woman and she's fertile and all the hormones and all the rest, she's seeking a, me a male. If dad is mm -hmm. not the one filling that, then she seeks him out there. Yeah. And of course, the male she's going to pick up is not likely not to be great. the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's been a really interesting conversation on fatherhood. So I'm going to wrap up this episode and then we can film the next one, which will be on how fatherhood's like under attack in today's world and what we can kind of do about that. Um, And so to all of our listeners, tune in next week for the next part of this series. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Uh, Keep on living the culture of life. Thank you and God bless.